Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday mornings come around again, and it's time for Let's Talk Gardening. And good morning, gardening friends. We are ready to go. When you phone in today, you'll be speaking with Catherine Clinton. She's in the chair for our Bev Daring, who's having a little bit of a break. Uh, John Glidden, he's our chief researcher and garden show chef, among many other hats that he wears, is standing by, as always. He keeps us all on track, and we like to be kept on track. If you'd like to make contact with us, you can phone us or email us. Our email address is gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And, of course, you know our number, 9484 one nine two seven. Big shout out to Chris Bartlett this morning for the Saturday breakfast energy, groovy music. Chris was well taken care of today by the lovely Yvonne Hill. And our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, wrapped up the breakfast show with his cycling report. So thank you, girls and boys. And Jim will return at 10 a.m. with the classic 70s for you. Faye Akaro, good morning. Here we are. Good morning, Ray. How are you doing today? Good. A little bit soggy. Had, we've had quite the week of rain, haven't we? Where's John's rainfall telly? He's telling me so far for July, 119.2 mils. Wow. Okay, against the average of 147, but he's also pointed out year to date, uh, we are ahead of the average. Okay, so we're yeah, a good 20, roughly 20 mils ahead of the average so far. So, And it feels like it, doesn't it? It's a bit yeah. wet and soggy out there. Yeah, so... But it's great for it fungi is. and slime moulds. Yeah, this is And there. weeds. Yeah, oh yeah, and weeds, <laughs> yay! Yeah, so no. And we've got good things happening in the show today. We've got some lovely prizes to give away if I can find my running sheet it'll be around here somewhere we have got some lovely prizes to Sorry, give away you can see how organized I am we're at 20 past eight we're chatting with an author called Sophie Green she's done a lot of successful books this is a fiction book but she's written it about gardening societies and it's called weekends with the sunshine gardening society it sounds delightful we're going to be giving away two of those books after we've chatted with Sophie this morning. And at 20 past eight, we're speaking with Denise Sorbra from Plants by Denise. If you haven't been to her property and checked out her array of plants, it's a must do and a must see. And it looks like here, Faye, that there's going to be a special day coming up soon in August where she's going to open up. Yes, yes, she has regular uh, open and yeah. sales days. So, yeah. yes, keep a lookout. Keep a lookout because she has uh, some of the stuff we're looking for that you can't buy in the nurseries, okay? So as well as our regular giveaways, a $75 gift voucher, both from Green Life Soil Co. and Bigger Tree. So, yeah, busy morning. Hope you've got a cuppa. Maybe you're still in bed. If you're smart, you are. And uh, enjoy. All right. Look, let's, we're already going to Byford. Our good friend Joy. How are you? Morning, Joy. Good. Thank. Morning, ladies. How are you going? Very good. Good. Um, I've just got I don't know two gerbera plants, and the flowers have turned green. Mm. 
are they lacking something or they're green and they're funny looking? They do. Do they? Yeah. As to why they do that, I don't Mm. know. I'm going to throw this to John because he's sitting out there and he can find out, he can do some research for us, Joy, and we can get to the bottom of why gerbera flowers go green. Oh, good because I'm wondering, do they go back to their normal thing or is this it now? Maybe I can cultivate this new gerbera. (laughs) Well, interesting. Yes, I've Mm. I've seen it before too, but I don't know. You have to keep them alive for one thing to know. Um, Yes. Yes. All right. I'm. I'm just going to throw it, to John. Have I, have I given you a one that you're stuck with? No, I think well, it's a fungal yes. issue, Joy, but we'll double-check yeah. up on that. I do think it's a fungal problem. Uh, but it let, is? Let's, yeah, So, but let's get some more information and keep listening and uh, we'll come back to you with that as soon as we can. Okay. Yeah. Well, Thank you. On, on that note, Ray, I was asked yesterday about or, an orchid show uh, on at the Manning. Now, I know there's one on this weekend up at Darch, but next weekend, Sunday, at the Manning Community Centre, there is an orchid display day. Mm. And I know one of the ladies there, uh, is a Jan, girl. is a gerbera lady. Okay. Oh. So I'm just, I'm just joining all the dots here. But, yes, at yes. the Manning Community Centre, Sunday the 12th, from nine till three, it's just one day only, um, and I think it's on by the West Western Australian Orchid Society. They have plants on display, I think for sale as well, and also the the society is involved with the cultivature, cultivation, and education of Western Australian native orchids, which of course are just Beautiful. really uh, ramping up now across the state. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So okay. there you go. We'll come back to you about that, about the green gerbers, Joy. Good question. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. I shall keep listening. Okay. Thanks, Joy. Bye for now. Have a good day. Bye, ladies. <laughs> Cheers. It is an interesting one because I. Do think I've seen that before, and mm, we've had that. If, if it is fungal, then what has happened is my plant has gone into decline yeah. and not flowered again. Yeah. So I don't have gerbers in the garden at the moment. Yeah. Do you normally? Uh, from time to time, but you know, sometimes they. What happens in my garden? It's so big. It's mm. once it goes into the ground. If it gets into the ground, then. What happens is you get weeds taking over and and other plants that are, you know, the the just ones that hang in there all the time. So is it survival of the fittest? Well, yes and no. It depends when I get back to manage and maintain. I've talked before about the hero in the garden, and when you when I fill up a garden bed, some things I'll put in as quick fillers and spreaders, and they will hold the space and keep the weeds down. But if they're too happy, then they will take over. Like the osteospermum daisies, the old-fashioned ones, they've just gone for gold and they've just run over anything in their path, which is fine under trees and and they create a space that's very restful to look at because mm. you you get one blanket and it's just a mass planting in a big area. Mm. It's easy to manage. They power through even if they don't get water in summer. They come back and they flower in winter to spring and spot flower through the year. So, yeah. you know, there are 
a hardy, tough plant. If I had a gerbera too close to that situation, it, it would be smothered before I remembered it was there. Yeah, I got you. I haven't had a bunch of gerberas for a long time, actually. Oh, well, I love them in a The fairs mm. are, are the place yeah. to, to really see them. And, yeah, mm. they're just beautiful. And, of course, there's a whole new bunch of varieties out now mm. that are perfect for floristry. I'd mm. love a picking garden. Yeah, 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 mm. of course. It's doable uh, amongst everything else. Look, we're talking <laughs> about garlic. We're in Yanjabup. Charlie, how's it going? Good morning, ladies. How are you? Yeah, good. good thanks, Charlie. How can we help you? Um, what should I be putting on my garlic now uh, to uh, increase uh, the bulbs the, the underneath? At this time of year, I think you'd be looking uh, to continue with a control, a, a, a complete fertilizer. You you want them to keep growing. You want that top growth happening, and then when uh, probably around October, November, you cut back the water, you turn the tops over and you let all that energy go down into the bulb. So basically feeding them now, keeping them weed free and putting a little bit of mulch around, but probably one of the soft well, mulches. Well, I've got um, uh, NBK, NBK Blue, is that okay? That's great. That'll, that'll be perfect. That'll give them a, a hit and you could do it again in a month. You could also, I mean, there are so many choices out there. If you're an organic gardener, you might uh, use seaweed and liquids. Uh, what, have, what have you got in the shed? Have you got any other fertilisers available on hand? Uh, potato E. That would be another one. You could throw a bit of that around. Um your palletised chicken manures, uh, any compost you've made, anything that can really build up the soil and putting a little bit of mulch on top as well so that you, you smother those weeds. Yeah, well, um, I, I try not to go through with... Um, I used to go through with a hoe, you know. Um, oh, yes. But I found I was cutting cutting the roots and wasn't doing too good. Mm. So that's why mulches are good because if you can keep them like relatively weed free and put mulch on it will smother any of the little weeds and then the bigger ones are actually easier to pull out oh okay. yeah oh, i found by uh just pulling the weeds out uh it keeps the soil um without cutting the roots uh, it's a lot you know because when i think i was cutting the roots it was uh, letting them down mm. okay all right, ladies. Well, thanks very much for your help. Good luck. Hope yeah. you get a great harvest. Yes, me too. Take care, Charlie. Yeah, I haven't had a good one for a couple of years. Oh, well, this we've is got plenty time. of rains this year, yeah. so keep building up that soil and you'll be good. Thanks very much. Thanks, okay. Charlie. Now, we had a listener contact us some weeks ago, actually, around Radiothon time. His name was Jeff Jordan, and he offered us some lime trees. And what he asked in return was that they were free to whoever wanted them, that they made a donation to Curtin FM, a.k.a. Radiothon. Okay, now I meant to do this last week and I absolutely clean forgot. But there's about five or six plants available. They're in 20 litre bags. They're a sweet lime, excellent for eating and cooking. I can't pronounce the name, but they're called Citrus Lime 
Teoides or something Ooh. along those lines, okay? They have been grafted with Rangpur lime rootstock, and they are evidently prolific fruiters. They're about 1 to 1.2 metres tall, and the trees come with information flyers as well as any advice you may need. In return... Jeff asks that you make a donation to Curtain Radio. If you're interested, we have Jeff's details here. We have a an email address and we also have a phone number. Okay, so if you're interested, and, and he's in Canning Vale, so that's nice and close. So there's about five or six uh, lime trees, citrus, lime, <laughs> teoides or something like that uh, in 20 litre bags. If you'd like them, give us a call now and Catherine will connect you uh, with Jeff, okay? And I'll mention it again later in the morning uh, in case these trees are still available. But from what I can see, they're in very good condition and it's a, it's a, it's a total bargain. So. Oh, what a lovely offer from Jeff. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, where are we? We've got a couple of minutes before my break. Right. What would people be doing in the garden this week, Ray? Oh, good grief. <laughs> Don't ask me. I wasn't in it. Well, I managed to get out... Uh, just a little bit uh, between showers and Mm. my mission at the moment is to make the most of what I've got and so Mm. I started to think because I'm really tempted to go out and buy, buy, buy more flowering plants at the present moment Um, but I'm reverting to my stashes of seeds and what I can do now and I've just got all my everlastings in the ground. I know it's late, but I didn't want to leave it any longer and then have them still sitting there next year. I figured at least if I got them in the ground now, they'd have the best chance when they flower in springtime, I can save seeds and at least have them again for next year. Where did you put yours? I've put them in a few pockets. My, What's actually held me back is I'm concerned that the rabbits are going to eat them. Yeah, quite right. I've done two strips towards my lawn area mm-hmm. and I've also done two little pockets near my front lawn where I've got native gardens. So I've just cleared small spaces. So mm. between uh, kangaroo paws and other other flowering shrubs mm. and I've just filled gaps and I've planted yeah. billy buttons and oh, uh, oh, just a, and bracteanthus, which mm. I just love. And going mm. through my photos because... This weather is great for sorting photos, I have to tell you. Mm. I've been looking at all the flowers that I've had before and all the the bugs and critters that come to them, the flower spiders, the butterflies. Mm. There are just so many plants. The more flowering plants we add to our gardens, the more life we see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I found another new one yesterday. New for me. uh, Rayearia. And it's a, a winged bug. And n- not very many of them get seen. And this one I found one on a night stalk. So I went out with my headlight and my camera and I was looking at all the bugs that come around the, the driveway lights. Mm-hmm. And this bug is about that long, yeah. about two centimetres. And it's got a pattern on its back, like a crisscross pattern, brownish and goldish in like a crisscross. It's just beautiful and different so I put that up on iNaturalist and, and boom another another uh, record for me 
<laughs> but not many Very in exciting. WA. Not many sighted at all. And I put it on the insect group as well, and a few people there hadn't seen them before. So Okay, brilliant. Yeah, exciting. All right, we're going to a short break. When we return, we are chatting with Sophie Green about her new book, Weekends with the Sunshine Gardening Society. We look forward to chatting with Sophie in a couple of minutes. Radio. 23 minutes after 8, you're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. And as discussed just before our short break, we're chatting with Sophie Green, author, amongst many other hats I think that Sophie wears. Good morning, Sophie. How are you? You're with Ray and Faye. Hello, Ray. Hello, Faye. <laughs> Hi. Oh, I love the title of your book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds you. great. Um, so where, whereabouts are you based, Sophie? I'm in Sydney, so talking to you from the East Coast, uh, which is probably not as gloriously warm and sunny as I always imagine the West Coast to be. Oh, well, not on, lately. No, it's a little <laughs> bit grey and drippy today over here. Oh, shame. <laughs> That's all right. We need the rain, so it's all yes. good. Ah, good for gardens. It sure is. Say. Yes. So tell us about your, your book and how this idea came about. Well, because I write a novel a year, sometimes I do need a little bit of prompting from my publisher. And so this idea actually came out of a conversation with her and, and uh, I was talking about what I might write next. She was the one who said the word gardening. Mm. And then I went off and from that um, did some investigation. And uh, I'm looking at a stack of gardening books on my floor here, including some old Edna Wallings I found online and I, you know, gardening magazines. And I'm also looking at my Weeds Network um, book that I was given when I started Bush Care last year. So uh, just thinking about how many people love to garden and uh, my parents um, have been great gardeners. My grandfather had a vegetable patch that he would get up at all hours of the morning to tend before he went to work every day. So gardening's certainly been in my family and I know it's a, for a lot of other people a pursuit they love um, or that they just do for practical reasons but they still have gardens. So I thought, all right, well, this is something that can bring people together. There are a lot of gardening clubs in Australia. Sure. Uh, for the title of the book, though, clubs seemed a bit harder word. So society was something that I, um, I went with and uh, I wanted to set it on the Sunshine Coast because I love the Sunshine Coast, particularly around the Noosa Heads area. And it wasn't until I'd made that decision that I actually realised quite how much attention to flora, native flora in particular, had gone on in the Sunshine Coast for the past few decades. And I found these out-of-print books online that have been self-published by passionate gardeners and environmental activists, lots of line drawings of native flora, these beautiful and, and really carefully put together books. So that was a, a really lovely surprise throughout the process of, of writing this book was finding these treasures and, and I have them with me now. So yeah, whole gardening world was there to explore. It is amazing, isn't it, when you shine a spotlight on, on any facet, how how you end up down a rabbit yeah, hole definitely. and lot, you <laughs> yeah. you do really put the focus on like you say books that are available and what the the landscape was like before the attention mm. was given to it particularly with the development of roads that changes mm -hmm. a lot of landscape yeah and in the noosa area um the noosa park association was founded in the early 1960s and they have been instrumental in in stopping noosa becoming overdeveloped now a lot of people would say there's too much development there but there was you know nancy cato novelist nancy cato who lived in the area and was was really proactive in protecting the native environment there along with the noosa parks association and some i'm sure just individuals who in their day-to-day -day lives 
uh, were taking care of the environment. Um, and the first book I bought for the, my research process is called Noosa's Native Plants, and it's now in its fourth edition. And that was the book that sent me down the rabbit hole because I was reading the foreword and there are these people's names mentioned. I'm thinking, who is that and what have they done? And, mm. and off I went and found this, this community of people who I think some of them are no longer with us. But, uh, yeah, it's just beautiful and, and inspiring, actually, for the writing of the story. So, Sophie, for our avid gardening readers, mm-hmm. give us just a very brief synopsis of what the storyline is, what the actual gist of the book is about. Sure. So I came up with a fictional Sunshine Gardening Society uh, when I was writing the proposal for the book and uh, the publisher thought it was real from the way I've written <laughs> the, um, the outline because I actually wrote it like a plot of history of a society and I started to think about who might have been in this, what was this Sunshine Gardening Society after I'd come up with the name and I like the idea of these women in the early 50s um, getting together to garden as volunteers for people who needed some support in their garden because gardening can be a lot of work and not everyone has the resources to maintain a garden. So I thought, well, these were women who I imagined whose husbands had returned from World War II. Uh, there is an impact in families um, of a returned servicemen and sometimes women need to get away from the home and have some time to themselves and to be yeah. creative. I was also really influenced by a book I read years ago by the American writer Alice Walker called In Search of um, Our Mother's Gardens. Yeah. And that is about you know, creativity through things like gardening, quilting, baking, the things that are seen as women's crafts, which are also art. Mm-hmm. And so all of that went into this idea that th- there was a society of women who who would not call themselves as, you know, doing good works. They actually wanted to be gardening and they, and they understood the practical as well as creative benefits of that um, in, in creating a lovely space. And they sort of helped the council. They helped um, these women. So we now find ourselves in the story in 1987 and the, the two members of the Gardening Society, Cheryl and Barb, who are subsidiary characters in the book, need some new members. And we open the story with Cynthia, who's returned to the Noosa Heads area and it is her former piano teacher, Vaughn, who's now quite elderly, who was a founding member of the Sunshine Gardening Society, who suggests that Cynthia join it. And from there, the other storylines start to flow. And it, it sounds actually like yeah, an entertaining read. And it, the book's just become available. Is that right? So Wednesday, yes. yes. Oh, wow. Wednesday. Gee, yes, Wow. <laughs> Well, we're we're on trend, right? We, we certainly are, <laughs> and you've generously uh, are giving us two books to give away to our listeners as well, Sophie, and we mm. we thank you for that. Uh, you're a very okay. busy lady. I read that you're a full time publisher, a qualified mm. yoga instructor, a music writer, interviewer, mm. and on a successful country music website. Yes, and and still have many other hobbies. Don't know how you do it all. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm. I like to keep fit. Is how I always say that. It's like just keep myself fit, and then I can handle, handle everything. Pretty much, pretty much whatever comes. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. So, um, what are, what have been the benefits for you in, in writing this book? How's it How's it helped you? Is it Is it cathartic? When you write? Uh, and look, it, it can be. I'm, often I try to, to put things in the novels that I think other people will relate to. So it's, it's, yeah. each novel's never been a way for me to, to sort things out for myself. Self, yeah. The direct benefit for me of this particular book is it's the first time in which life has imitated art. And I became a bush care volunteer last year. 
because I've been writing about these women gardening and a friend of mine in my who also lives in my local council area in Sydney had started bush care and she was saying how much she enjoyed it. She invited me to join her at National Tree Planting Day last year and I had thought I wouldn't be able to volunteer. I was interested in volunteering somewhere. Didn't think there'd be anything available on weekends, but then it turned out my council had some bush care slots on Saturdays and Sundays. So I joined this Sunday morning bush care. Um, well, it wasn't even a group. It was one person and a supervisor. And in fact, it's tomorrow, our next one, because we do it the last Sunday of the month. And it's just been one of the best things I have ever done. I had no idea I would love weeding so much. Yeah. I wish I discovered <laughs> it earlier. Meditational, yeah. Oh, and um, the and woman who was there, Ruth, had been pretty much on her own in this spot for, for years, actually. And so we found we had so much in common. She used to run a bookshop for years. She also loves tennis, and I'm a tennis obsessive, so we talk about tennis all the time. Mm. And um, we just yeah, really enjoy being in this beautiful patch of bush. It's only small, and I now really appreciate the opportunity to put my hands into the dirt, well, gloved hands yeah, into yeah. the dirt, and just be – surrounded by greenery and and yeah I, as i said weeding um the friend who got me into bush care is is an editor book editor and i said hey, why why do you think we both love weeding so much and she mm-hmm. said well it's editing nature oh, <laughs> yeah great yeah. how interesting i love yeah. it okay yeah. no it sounds it sounds like i yeah something that i personally would enjoy reading myself as well a little bit of escapism entertainment yeah Hopefully yeah. you might have inspired our, our reader, our listeners out there to get out and do a bit of weeding. And I think maybe well, what it is, you, if you are in that zone where you just let your mind go, nothing, yeah. you don't think of anything else when you're weeding, or maybe you do in a good way. Um, yeah. You let go of negative thoughts and... Uh, yeah. it's there it is therapy mm. and it's exercise yes. your body's moving and you solve the world's problems mm. yeah, yeah. they're out there that's what well, i find <laughs> i guess sometimes it can seem like oh am i making a dent here but then i you know after a few hours i look around and think oh yes there's actually I've done a, bit. Quite a lot of free space here and we also follow the bradley method of bush regeneration which was which was actually developed in the suburb i live in in the 1960s um which is you know when you remove weeds you replace it with native plants and then the weeds never come back um so that's that's really nice i feel like it's this nice historical link that these two sisters who live not far from where i do now they started this method of bush regeneration, which we're still using. I put it in the book, not using their name, but just mentioning the practice. And mm. yeah, it just seems like a, a, nice, a nice continuation of gardening practice. What was that called again? The Bradley practice? The, the, the Bradley method of bush regeneration. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so oh, another rabbit hole? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's actually um, separate to the bush care volunteering for the council um so i'm in a suburb called mossman in sydney and there is a there is a, a bush society in mossman that that is dedicated to the bradley method of bush regeneration so they have their own patches that they work because the suburb i'm in has a lot of bush most of it's national park or harbour trust land but a lot of it um, is council and so where uh where we can get onto the council land there's a whole lot of weeding and planting of natives going on so um, I just love the idea of these little groups everywhere popping up doing things. Oh, it sounds sounds lovely. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
All right, young lady, well, we'll let you get back to your weekend <laughs> um, you. and uh, all your activities. And thank you for sharing with us this morning and thank you uh, for the opportunity to give this beautiful book away to a couple of our lucky, lucky listeners. And we wish you every success with this book and I'm sure that it will be. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, no, you're welcome. Thank you for speaking with us this morning. Hopefully it's the first of many gardening books. That would be nice. (laughs) You never know. I'm I'm down my own rabbit hole now. Oh, (laughs) lovely. Thanks, Sophie. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Cheers. What a lovely lady. Mm. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. What a great book. And, yes, as you say, a great opportunity for our listeners to grab a copy. Okay, and so we have two to give away. Now, Faye was saying this book is on its way to us, Express Post. It was sent a week ago. Yes. Still hasn't arrived. It will arrive this week coming. Uh, So it'll be available to be collected uh, the following week. All right. So if you would like to win this book, give Catherine a call right now. All we ask is that you're a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Give Catherine a call right now on 94841927. Uh, you would have to collect this book, of course, from the station and the station is open nine to four weekdays. Uh, but yeah, great, great offering and uh, go for it, everybody. And uh, hopefully, you know, you're the lucky call through 94841927. Very good. That sounds okay. great. And it yes, uh, new rabbit holes. The More. the Bradley method of bush regen. I like that idea. Yeah. You do because I know in our gardens, if we weed, the, the weeds are back in a couple of weeks. Mm. If you disturb the soil, the the seed the weed seed burden in the soil in some areas is really high. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about this this morning because we have a big patch. They blow in, the birds put them in. Yep, that's it. They've just been in the soil for 50 years. Hmm. Um, So, yes, putting a plant in its place, permission to buy more plants, everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and I find that each year managing the plants that do establish, like trimming them, there's a lot of Westringias around the place that are trimmed into balls right now. Mm, mm. Do they look? stunning Mm. and if you plant a plant in your garden that gets too big for the space then regularly go through with a hedge trimmer or clippers and just give it a a light tidy up most of them you can uh, do that and they'll still get some flowers but Mm. otherwise the rule would be prune after flowering as soon as they finish flowering nip the tops off yeah keep them in check ray we we have an email uh, that I thought this would be a good opportunity to cover right now. Uh, Yang from Success asks a f- three different questions. One is about pruning a peach tree that has shed all its leaves. They don't get any fruits. Their fruits are small and drop. Not sure if it's ornamental or edible. So it's it's been in this house garden for 11 years Uh, or they bought 11 years ago they want to know can it be pruned now and what should I apply after pruning well you can uh, you can prune now if you prune now you will get a lot of growth a lot of regrowth Mm. Uh, it is a trigger for a plant when it's winter pruned to put on a lot of growth in springtime what a lot of people move towards now is summer pruning because you don't get so vigorous growth However, you have two choices and we prune for for size and for shape. Mm. Now, 
for trees that I've pruned regularly over a period of years, I don't worry so much about doing a hard prune at this time of year. I wait until I can see where the fruiting buds are developing. When I can see where the flower buds are going to develop, that is where a fruit could develop. So I would prune at that point. So I would cut back to that point. And we're talking mm. closer to spring. That way I can actually uh, keep the tree fruiting. I can always prune back later again in summer. Mm. Yeah. But if I don't do it now, I mm. can see where the fruit is. Mm. And if you did do a hard prune now, you'd be cutting off all the fruit. Mm. So you, you have a choice about what you do. Uh I would also spray a, a copper spray or lime sulfur at this time and again before the buds burst, so mm. at bud swell. That will help with any peach leaf curl um, and pests and diseases. If, if you're not a fan of using sprays like that, eco oil is the other one. And their other question is about a fig tree which is in a pot about four years old and it shed all its leaves perfect time to be cutting fig trees back mm. you can cut them back by as much as half because this one's in a pot it's going to be a little compromised you know what i would do if you do have the opportunity is to put it into a larger pot mm -hmm. uh, and and keep it managed in that pot and definitely once again because there's a lot of fig wax scale eco oil for sure on that one otherwise copper spray would cover it and the third one is chicory seeds can you get them in WA? Yes, you can. Uh, they're a, a lovely plant, beautiful purple flowers. Uh, we've done a bit of research and Xanthoria and Urban Rev Revolution have them. Eden Seeds do have them. However, they won't send to WA and there's probably a few reasons for that. Yeah. WA's in a quarantine zone. Yeah. So yeah, I hope that answers all those questions. Okay, now we do have uh, two book winners. It is for Weekends with the Sunshine Gardening Society. We have Lynn from Subiaco and Robert of Beaconsfield. Good on you guys. And as I say, those books will arrive this week coming and they will be available for collection uh, the following week. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch when they arrive. And uh, congratulations. I think it will be a really, really... Lovely read. And it's not the first book Sophie's written. She's written many. So she's an accomplished author, among many other things. Okay, we shall return. Curtain Radio. You're with Ray and Faye. And this is, <laughs> here goes my voice. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Carry on, Faye, while right. I sort myself I've in. just got another question from Yang in success, and it was what should they feed the, the peach and fig after they've been pruned? Well, at winter, winter time, we're getting a lot of rain, so I don't recommend putting in a lot of granulated fertiliser that might wash through. Yeah. And slow-release fertiliser will probably sit there and not do much because it's so cold. So at this time of year, I look more towards building up the soil. And one of the easiest, cheapest ways I find is to get the large bags of palletized chicken manure. And there, there's about three different brands out there. Uh, they're very good for sprinkling, you know, a couple of cups around an established plant, going back in a couple of weeks after the rains have been on it, and just disturbing the soil, making a nice little well. You can also add your homemade compost or something out of your worm farm. 
you can add a clay and compost and then mulch and mulch really is going to be the key going forward the clay helps hold moisture and nutrients in the soil so that's yeah. good preparation for summertime uh, a wetting agent as well you could mm. probably use there are so many products out there, there you, you kind of just have to decide what sort of a gardener you are if you mm. want to go organic whether you like liquids you know what go through your shed see mm. what you've got read mm. the instructions on the pack and think about whether that's a good time to use it and then for a lot of fruit trees spring and autumn is when i i give them another little top up mm. just to uh, keep them growing but along. when you mm. see foliage moving is when you can feed them because that's when they're actively growing mm. a lot of plants right now well there's a lot going gangbusters but some of them yeah they're pretty hydrangeas pretty dormant. roses mm. they're mm. kind of slowing down so you wouldn't feed mm. them right now no but you no can point. improve the soil yeah, yeah, good, very good point. And what are these seeds that you've brought in today? <laughs> well, this is out of my stash, Ray. So I'm using up what I have at the moment. And this is and to override the urge to go and Yeah, shopping. well, I yeah, have to, I know you, you know. you really struggled last week. Yeah. You know, I, if I don't go somewhere once a week, I have symptoms. I know, mm. and I do, I want to buy, but I'm... Yeah. I'm in survival mode at the moment um <laughs> i have to make the most of what i've got well eddie's got a broken foot so yeah um, okay he's not working yeah much. okay poor get well eddie <laughs> oh, no. I, I took him away during the week for some days of convalescence and i think we, that was a nice touch oh it was we were very spoiled we stayed at basildine manor yeah, we had a, just, just, a room overlooking the gardens yeah we just wandered magic. around their magic gardens yesterday i brought home a couple of kangaroo paws that the peahens have dug out of the garden and left on the lawn. Oh, gosh. So I had a chat with the gardeners and, yeah. oh, what an office. Yeah. But, yeah. yes, what have I got here? Well, because when I take the kids to the hardware store, they, they like to buy different things, um, pretty, pretty coloured packets. Packets. And at Easter time, I got this Easter egg mix of radishes. Now, look at that. They're pretty. I mean, all different colours. This is how you get kids into gardening. They yeah. are the quickest germinating seeds you can ever come across. So, uh, working on Sophie's method, weed and then sprinkle some Something to radish seeds. Mm. And before you know it, they'll not only be up, but it's only a matter of weeks before you can start They're on your table. Them. So, yeah, teaching them about where food comes from and, mm. and how mm. to grow. And in wintertime, you know, you don't even have to water. You just throw things out there and they will grow. So they'll take the space take to Take care weeds. of themselves. And the best one for that, I found, nasturtiums. They just come up year after year. Where I have nasturtiums, I do not have to weed the garden, yeah, well, honestly. It's a, it's a very good suppressant. And, mm -hmm. and the... Uh, the white cabbage butterflies are attracted to them, so they stay away from other crops. Perfect around the vegetable garden, climbing up fences and, well, they do. and other plants. Yeah, they do cover uh, a bit of ground. And they bring the bees in too. Mm, so, yeah, mm. they're, they're just a winner. Cheap I like the red, chips. I like the red ones. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I like. I just like them all. They're just so pretty yeah. and do a good job. And then the other uh, plants... I've got here sunflowers. I mean, you can even pick the seeds out of the bird seed and yeah. trial some different sunflowers. But mm. they grow pretty quickly. They'll they'll grow now. 
And the pattern in sunflowers is amazing. When you look into the patterns in nature, but the center of a sunflower is just mesmerizing. And you know what? I told you I was looking at my photos this week, Ray. Mm. One of the photos I came across was that of a bobtail tongue. Because whenever I see a bobtail, I, I try and get a photo of it poking out its blue its tongue. tongue. Mm. When I zoomed in, the pattern of its tongue was amazing. It it looked like bubbles. You know, when you photograph bubbles up closely, mm. all these little almost circles, they were half circles. I will find it and I will put it put it somewhere where everyone on can see. On the Facebook see. page. Yeah, it wasn't a fantastic photo, but it yeah. just gave me just this zap of um yeah patterns in nature and yeah and where and you we can don't find realize them. Well, we don't they're everywhere you just got to look closer it's mm. a phenomenon there's the mm. fibonacci uh there are tessellations there are all these patterns that recur in nature mm. fractals which are trees and we see that in the pattern in leaves mm. um oh foams and you've just reminded me of something. We had a lady ring in. What have I done with my papers? Oh, okay, so I start talking about something and then I haven't got the oh, the information. Yes, I have. Was it Margaret of Shelley? And she wanted us to recommend a flowering, flowering tree, deciduous tree. And, of course, there's a no-brainer. And, Margaret, you might be tuned in. Um, the frangipani is going to be the no-brainer because she wanted canopy. Mm. She wanted something that flowered and she wanted it to be deciduous. Mm. We didn't we didn't mention that. That is an absolute no-brainer. And another one I thought of during the week, depends on which one you choose for canopy, uh, is magnolias can be sensational. And, of course, all of your flowering peaches and cherries and plums, depending on the actual form of it, uh, some, uh, you know, have different uh, forms. Some tend to grow, mm, you know, more upright. upright. Um, so there were some other thoughts that I had as well, Margaret. But, yeah, the frangie, I thought, why didn't we come up with that one? It would be an easy one. Uh, I'd get a large one. I would get a baby one. I'd go and get something. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> of course I would. Uh, as established as I could because you want you want an instant tree. Well, and they they're not all large growing, are they? Like some no, varieties are too more large. upright. Yeah. Some, when you see them in older gardens, yeah. uh, are, are just simply majestic. I've seen some never... flowering peaches and they do yeah. have the majestic canopy mm. and they are special. And uh, so, yeah, if, you, if she's wanting something that, you know, throws some flowers. And, of course, there's some beautiful deciduous trees out there, just foliage. And you know, scent. just magnificent foliage, yeah. Oh. So it does, it, you know, if if that's a criteria that it must flower, then I think, you know, a couple that we've just mentioned now, and, of course, you were mentioning the Poinciana, of course, mm. which is a big lady, a big grand lady once, once she gets going. But anyway, no, I was just thinking about that during the week. And uh, I thought, gee, we should have mentioned the old, the good old Frangie. We we sometimes <clears throat> do better during the week when we can reflect on. I know those things when you're not, when we're in our garden. Yeah, perhaps. and you mm. well when you've got a little bit more focus. There's always lots going on here. We have to have a break. When we return, uh, we're going to chat with Richard, and he's saying, "Don't cast nasturtiums at me." <laughs> ha ha. Cretting Radio. And the news will be coming up very, very soon at 9am. Now, we do have free lines, finally, 94841927. Actually, we just lost um, 
the oh. fellow that we were going to speak to. Uh, I don't know where he went, so maybe... He some... said, don't cast nasturtiums at, at me. Yeah, yeah, very funny. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe maybe it was just a comment, yes. Now you have another... Mm. Oh, you've got some info about the... The, the green gerbera yeah. phenomenon is a disease. It's called green bud. Uh, the name infers this problem strikes the petals of flowers, turning them green, but does not allow them to develop normally. The symptoms appear on the flowers produced from only one or two crowns of the plant with the remaining crowns producing normal coloured flowers. It may also only occur on one part of the flower. The cause of this condition is understood to be a mycoplasma transmitted from an infected plant by sap-sucking insects, potentially aphids, leafhoppers, thrips and canary flies. Once a plant shows signs of green bud, it should be disposed of promptly. In no circumstances should the plant be recycled by composting or digging into the soil. While there is no known cure for this disease, regular monthly spraying of plants with a systemic insecticide will reduce reduce the risk of the problem arising and this information was from gerbera growing in western australia handbook and that's john has come up with that for us so that was joy in byford yes yeah okay thank you and i've got more information john's been very busy out there today ray uh if you're looking for chick chicory seeds you might also look for names like Endive, radicchio, radicchetta, Belgian endive, French Love endive, endive yeah. red endive, sugarloaf, mm. and whitloaf. Whitloaf, yeah. Hmm. So yeah. you can actually get these as plants too, I think, in the herbs range. Yeah, and um, they're delicious. So not yeah. just chicory. No wonder yeah. people might have had trouble getting the seeds. Yeah, when I lived in Belgium, endives were a staple, you know, like asparagus as well. Do you know, I don't mm. think I've ever, ever had it. Oh, it's great. Yeah, you can have it cooked or raw. Yeah, it's got a bitterness to it, which is really nice. But, yeah, mm. they cook it and they generally sort of braise it and then with, you know, cheese over the top. It's absolutely scrumptious. Oh, I wonder yeah. if John could whip us up some Whitloff one Saturday morning. It, it's really, think? yeah, it's really, you know, an acquired taste, but I absolutely mm. love it. All right, Uh let me see. I think we're going to give something away. We do have the news at 9am, but I think what we might do is give the $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees away right now. As you already are aware, you must be a Curtin FM member not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Now, winter is a great time to plant deciduous trees and Bigger Trees have been very busy potting up new supplies of bare root deciduous stock and they have a lot of new stock including many fruiting flowering and autumn coloring trees and honestly i was on their web their facebook page actually yes so they've way too many for me to mention i'll give you a little bit of a sample but they do have newer varieties of the lower chill cherry trees many different flowering deciduous trees including flowering cherry plums pears apricots peaches crab apple which is a beautiful tree as well as a variety of weeping flowering trees i i am drawn to weeping anything like that i just absolutely love it and they've got a great supply of new grevilleas and kangaroo paws but look go to biggertrees.com.au and and see for yourself there's some great online options and check out their facebook page for updates and here is your question thanks to our quiz master 
John Glidden. In 1974, Tony Orlando was wondering who was with his ex, Sally. Where did he think they were? <laughs> In 1974, Tony Orlando was wondering who was with his ex, Sally. Where did he think they were? Give I Catherine a call, 94841927. Go to it. Okay, Fakara. I wonder if you can um, play a few bars for us, Ray. Is that maybe possible? Uh, if, I, if I can find the song, yes. Mm, we, that would we can be do funny. That. Yes, Okay. All right, I've got a couple of minutes. I might go yeah. through some more let's, emails, let's Ray. Yeah. So Heidi has asked about her vinkers. She said yeah. uh, over the last couple of months they have started dying off branch by branch. Of Do course. they have a fungal problem or perhaps a pest attacking their roots? Well, it could be any of any or all of the above. But the reason is... The vincas are actually a, a summer annual. They're so, um, sold as a, a warm season plant. We can sometimes keep them going through the winter, but they really they struggle through the cold. They sure do. You, you have a couple of choices. You can cut them back, but if we're going to get more rain and cold weather, they could actually go back further. You could just leave them and wait until spring and give them a tidy up then. Yeah. Um, many of them self-sow readily and will pop up in your garden. So, yeah, you're not alone there, Heidi. And no. just um, ride it out. Maybe give them a drink of sea soul, uh, but certainly not too much extra water at no, this time of no, year. No, quite right. Mine are, are struggling away. But they'll come good, hopefully. Well, yeah. if you can fingers be bothered, you know, some, they really treat them like an annual. Yeah, you're better off to mm. go out and buy another punnet and replace them. Yeah, they're them. cheap. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And after the news, we'll be talking to Denise about perennials that will power Tough through perennial so. plants and what to do now for spring and summer display. And uh, this is a lady that really knows her stuff and she walks her talk. So we will be chatting with Denise. Uh, at five past nine. Speaking of nine o'clock, here is the news. Temperature is sitting at 15.8 degrees, humidity at 92%, heading for a maximum today of 19 showers, uh, up to three mils of rain today. The minimum overnight is forecasted at 10 and tomorrow a maximum of 19 with a shower or two. Looking ahead to Monday, the minimum overnight is eight. Uh, partly cloudy on Monday with a maximum of 20 and 10% chance of rain. So hopefully uh, we get a, a little bit of a reprieve uh, after the weekend. Now, Denise of Lake Coogee is the winner of the $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. We will give the answer to uh, John's quiz. Uh, just after we've spoken to another Denise who is online with us now, we have Denise Sorbra from Plants by Denise. Good morning. How are you? You're with Ray and Faye. Hi, how are you? Good Hi. morning. Good, thanks, Denise. A lot of our listeners would be very familiar with you. You're a familiar face around open gardens and your your plants are to be coveted by many gardeners. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> well, I know you specialise in cottage garden plants, perennials, etc., and you've had your own garden open in the past too. Yes, yes. Now, I like um, to grow plants that you can't often find. Love that. Um, I do like the sort of English style, but everything I grow, 
Um, a grow tough, like outside in all the conditions. So when customers come along and buy them, they're already out in the weather and I grow them in my garden as well. So they can go for a little wander around the garden and have a look and um, oh. see what they you know, plants grow like and the height and width. So what's happening yeah, in your so. garden right now? Right. At the moment, um, I've got the hellebores are looking fabulous. Right. Uh, magnolias. I heard you talking about the magnolias. I've got the deciduous magnolias. Oh, lovely. Um, and they're looking better. I've got a few varieties. So they're, some of are flowering already. Some have got buds on them already. So they've sort of got in stages. And the macellias as well. They're budding up as well. So they're looking great. Um, Cardoons, they're looking lovely. Um, and I've also got a couple of um, the cranby. Uh, Stabarima, I don't know how you say it. You know, I tell you, read these plant names mm. and you make up your own version. But that's they're looking nice. Say, too, say yeah. that one again. Um, Cranby, scab, it's Stabarima. So oh, okay. it, it's really tough. It's it's a great little plant. And what well, it's quite tall, it's about all oh, one and a half meters tall, and it just looks like a dipsophila. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's looking really nice. I went for a skadoodle around the garden and I, I've taken photos uh, just in case if it was raining, you know, um, so I can talk to you about what's what's looking good. And I can send photos in if you wanted as well. Oh. Anyone that wants you to look at anything I'll talk about, yeah. When I've been in your garden, Denise, something that has always drawn my eye is your clematis. Oh, yeah, on the fence, yeah. I've got um, Nepalensis, Clematis Nepalensis flowering at the moment and I've got the winter ones, um, Whistly Cream and Freckles. They're okay. all flowering at the moment. Okay, yeah. What are, you, what are your secrets? We we spoke to someone about Clematis a few weeks ago. We had Ben, ben on air. And uh, what are your oh, secrets yes, for, yep. growing, for growing Clematis? Well, they're just like a, a cool root run. And so mine are yeah. on my sort of chain link fence. So in front of them, it, they're facing east. Um, and I've got a, the, the lily pilly hedges there. So that creates a cool root run for them. Um, the ones in the garden, that, that they're all facing east, basically. All my clematis are facing east. So, so they get um, the morning sun. Yeah, yeah, they're... They're out there, um, yeah, they don't get the harsh westerly sun at my place. Um, and it's not really, yeah, they're sort of not so much protected, but, yeah, they just love that position. So I've yeah, position. had them all, they all intermingle. Yeah, yeah, just a cool root one, really, basically. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't really fertilise them. Um, I, I do when I plant them and basically, you know, dig a really deep hole if you can. Up here, it's... Yeah, it's a bit rocky, but um, really deep hole. And put all sort of rotted compost and all that down in the bottom of the hole. Then just put your regular soil so your clematis roots don't touch the manure. So just put your bit of soil in and then plant your clematis and plant them a little bit deeper, about five centimetres or so deeper, and give them lots of water to start off with. Um they like a lot of water to start off with and then let it drain away. They don't like to sit in water mm-hmm. and drain away. But then afterwards, look, I, you know, they sort of um, cope with, 
you know, your general watering a couple of days a week or whatever. Conditions so they don't get any extra special treatment. Drought tolerant. Once you get them going. Mm, Once you get them going, they're quite drought tolerant. Yep. Yep. Okay. Tough tough perennials. It's gorgeous on them. Oh. Yeah, they are really what you've got got them going. Yep. yep. When and you grow them in pots as well. Yeah. When do you do your main cutting back of all your salvias? Do you do that at the time you're doing your roses, Denise? Well, the lacanthus are pruned back now. Um, so um, you've got Anthony Parker, you've got your white velua, your pink velua, all those sort of salvias that are like Kowinski. You could do that, but the secret with most of the salvias, like a lot of people um, might want to tidy them up, but if there's no growth down the bottom, if there's any new growth down the bottom of your salvias, don't yeah. touch them because, um, yeah, you can accidentally kill them, you know. Um, but if you just look at the plant, the plant will show you. And like the lucanthus, they're pretty good because they have the new growth and it's sort of white. It's got sort of like white, felty, new growth. Mm-hmm. And so you can cut down to that. So there's quite a few, yeah, the plant will show you what to do, basically. So if it's looking really daggy, but it's got new growth coming, then it's good time to yeah. tidy it up. You can chop it down to the new growth, yep. Right. Yep, definitely. And what are some of the really tough perennials that will take us through a a, a summer without much watering? Right. Um, well, just start your soil preparation now would be a good idea uh, and and mulching or composting, whatever you can do, because with all this rain, it's great because mm-hmm. there's already moisture in the soil, so add to that. And I, I really like Galadius. Oh, yes. Um, they like, they nicknamed Blanket Flower. Um, Rudbeckias. Uh, there's so many types of Rudbeckias. Um, there is the Rudbeckias that are an annual version, but there are quite a few perennial, and they're really tough. Um, Dahlias, I like dahlias, but they do need a little bit of water. But, but they're a tuber, so... They're not too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things that I've got. Now let me have a look because I, I wrote a little list. So I'll just maybe daylilies. Bring that up. Uh, daylilies are perfect. Uh, you've got even bulbs like your pineapple lily. Yes. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Yes, that's it. Um, Cucosma. Uh, there's lots of salvias. Um, Japanese anemones. Oh, I find them quite tough, and they 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 just you know, creep along and they're quite good. Eryngiums, your echinaceas. Now, with the only thing with echinaceas, though, oh, you've got echinops as well. Um, echinaceas don't l- have wide elbows. They don't like neighbours. But okay. they're pretty tough. Yeah, so if you plant those, like if you start them off with something, you've got creating a new little bed or whatever, Start them off with everything else, but space them out. Okay. Um, but they're perfect in pots. They just come back year after year in pots. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Geraniums, Agastaki, yes. um, Sabina Benariensis. Uh, yeah. That's a beauty, uh, that one. Mm. Yeah. Um, and a really tough plant that I've got that's like, if somebody wants a shrub, is um, Aliagnus. I've got a big hedge of it up the back and it's planted 
behind it is the shy verge trees, you know, like um, bush trees, you know. And this Aliagnus, I I watered it to start it off. It's only on temporary watering. Like I just clipped the hose into it sort of thing. And it only gets watered twice a year. So like, wow. is this like the it's native fantastic. hibiscus, purple flowers? No, this no? one here um, is... There's, there's a few varieties of it. This one here is Eleagnus ebingii, and it's got beautiful leaves. It's got green leaves, and underneath it's silver. And I have a scented flower, mm. um, but I hedge mine, so I generally do chop off the, the, the flowers when I'm hedging it. Um, but I could probably pop, pop up the picture on your Facebook or send it to you. All right, if you send it to me. The toughest part. Yeah. Right. yeah, if you send me the photos, I'll put them on our Let's Talk Gardening Facebook okay. page. Mm. And then you've got your Vabascums. Yes. You've got like, there's a the whole range of those, Vabascums, Chaxii are small ones, Lychnitis are small, then you've got Olympicum. And they, once they self-seed, anything that self-seeds in the garden is always going to be tougher than the original plant. So like you were saying before about sowing your seeds, if you sow probably about... August, like if you get your soil ready now, um, August you can start sowing, August, September you can start sowing all your seeds for summer, autumn. And if you just throw, some of them you throw and grow, like you've a basket, you can just throw seeds in the ground. Gravelly soil, they'll love. And um, yeah, they'll just be really tough and just self-seed all the time for you. And they they bring in the butterflies. I know I had verbascum uh, self sowing in my rose garden. I went out one morning. There was a scarlet Jezebel hanging on one of the yellow flowers. Oh, beautiful! Mm. Yeah, I love I love all the insects and things in my garden, and and all the birds that are around at the moment as well. Oh, you've got such a beautiful garden, Denise. And what a what a list of plants! I've, I've filled up a page writing them all down. And I've adored when I've been at your property, Denise, your delphiniums, those those mm. those blues. Oh, I've Good. got those written down too. Good I grief. love delphiniums. Oh, I my love them. goodness. Yeah. That piercing yeah. blue mm. is just mesmerising. And there's so many. I mean, you've got your English latent varieties, but you've also got um, the culturum varieties that are more branching, and they don't need staking. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's a wide range. And there's even um, delphiniums that snails don't even eat. The oh, what? Delphiniums. But, yeah, there's the delphinium. Now, what was its name? It's, um, Have oh, you got seeds? You, but yeah, yeah, I've got um, seeds of that as well. Yep. And the snails don't touch this delphinium. Oh, this one we need to follow mm. up on, mm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what's this um, event you've got coming up on the 12th of August? What's that all about? Oh, that's a plant sale. Um, right. I do once a month. Sometimes if it's a long month, I might get two in. And it's just like people just come along here and they get to wander around the garden and they can have a look at the nursery and if they want to buy anything that mm-hmm. that's fine and um yeah it's from eight till eight o'clock in the morning till four o'clock in the afternoon and that's the saturday and then the sunday the next day is just a half a day from eight till twelve okay and yeah 
And can people contact you online, Denise? Do you have a website or...? Uh, I don't have a website, but they can um, email me and also follow me on Facebook. And I post it on Facebook and email is Plants by Denise Plants at hotmail.com. Okay. Yes. And um, they can email and I can put them on the list and uh, it's like MailChimp so they can subscribe or unsubscribe. And they just only get an email. I try and give it two weeks' notice before I have a plant sale. So they'll get an email letting them know, you know, this is the the days that I'm open. It's just the weekends, you know, it's just selected weekends mm. when I open. And a personal question. Um, can you recommend yeah. up to about 50 centimetres an orange apricot salvia for me? Oh, okay. Um, put you on the spot. Sorry. No, Africana lutea. Africana lutea. I think that's um, apricot and It's also, sort of got a brownish um, t- 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 hue to it, doesn't it? It's sort of a... Yeah. yeah, and also I've got one that's um, Sylvia Butanii, and it's, you know, like you've got your Wendy's Wishes and all that. Yeah. Well, I've got a variety that's orange, and it's got orange calyxes and orange flowers. Okay, and, and that's, and it gets that's called Butanii. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's in the, sal- they call it sal- Salma, Salmia series. So I've got pink and I've got orange and I have dark purple. Okay. And they're just brilliant. Okay. Yeah, and they're flowering now. So. Okay, because I've tried one other. I think it's something glitter, the glitter range, and I haven't had any luck with that one okay. uh, at all. Oh, okay. Uh, I've tried oh, it a few times. I'll send you a picture. Oh, you're very um, kind. Thank it's you. Flowering now. It's flowering now, so you can have a look at it. Ooh. And it's really pretty, <laughs> even the flower. But do you know, like Sylvia Bethelio, do you know... Um, how they sort of go to open, they've got that gorgeous bud and then it just extends and arches. Well, they, this little orange one I'm talking about does similar thing, but it's on a smaller scale. Love it. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And nice foliage. Oh, no. Okay. Really nice Perfect. Sounds exactly what I'm looking for, love. Thank you. Okay. Well, no, we better no, let you get back to your garden, I guess. <laughs> We could talk to you for hours. Yeah, it's sensational. I was going to talk to you while I was walking out in the garden, but my neighbour was mowing the lawn. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and whereabouts are you located? Where's your property again? I mean, Carmel, Carmel. Carmel, yes, and, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, so, Denise. You've given us a lot to think about. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you so much for inviting me on to talk. I've really enjoyed no, it. No, we love it. And love to thank you for sharing the information. And we look forward to receiving uh, all the pics and info that you send through to us. And we'll share that with you. Beautiful. Everybody. Thank you very, very much. Hope to see you soon. Thank you so much. Thank Th- you. Have a thank lovely weekend. You Thanks, too. Denise. Thanks, Denise. Bye. Bye. Okay, we will return. Curtain Radio. It's 23 minutes after nine. You are listening to Let's Talk Gardening on Curtin FM 100.1. Coming up at 10 a.m., Jim Crinan, our very own cycling DJ. He'll be delivering to you the classic 70s, and we look forward to that. Let's go to Safety Bay. Tanya, hello. Good morning, ladies. Love your show. Thanks, Tanya. Nice to hear from you. How can we help you today? I've got an orange tree that has not been doing really well at all and I'm wanting to dig it out and somebody wants to take it away and take it down south. 
the problem I'm thinking of is I've got nematodes in my soil. Will I be transferring the nematodes with the orange tree? Hmm. Very good question. Um, <laughs> I, get, I guess if they are there, then you might be. As to whether they become a problem where they're going, uh, I'm not sure. Nematodes move around more so in in wet conditions. You can yep. break their cycle. Uh, clay is one of the additives that can reduce nematode attack. Uh, and also green manures can help break their cycle. With green manures, you're talking about what? Uh, you can get a mix. It would include uh, something like mustard seed and you okay. sprinkle it across the soil. You will, you can do this in your veggie gardens as well. And it, it contains a range of different seeds. They grow and before they flower, you slash them and or dig them into the soil and it improves yeah. the quality of the soil. Uh, and okay. really, you, you do the same thing with the weeds that you've got uh, because weeds mm -hmm. are very good at mining minerals in the soil. And yeah. they help build the soil. So they're nutrient recyclers. Okay. So if this, uh, if what happens if they take this orange tree, and say, for example, take it down south where it's a bit colder and a bit more clay, will the nematodes... Probably what I'm trying to find out is do the nematodes actually go on the roots? Do we have to wash the roots of the orange tree before they take it down south? Or how can I prevent it going with the orange tree why let's go back a step why do you think your orange tree has got nematodes in around well, it i've got i've got uh nematodes in the soil and this orange tree has been struggling i mean i've been nursing it along it's really struggling and i don't think it's it's going to survive here much i mean i want to move it because it's i'm I mean, I've been doing everything. I've been giving it renewal. I've been doing lots of stuff. So it's, it's, I'm wanting it to go. Okay. But I'm just a bit concerned. I, I would be concerned. If you have got what you think is a disease or pest-affected tree, it would not be advisable to transplant it to someone else's garden. Uh, okay. Yeah. What you could do, Tanya, uh, to give it a second chance would be to dig it out, and I'm assuming it's not very big. When you do that, check the roots. If it's affected by nematodes, they'll be gnarly and twisted. There may be another problem. Also, you're in Safety Bay, so your pH may be quite high in the soil, and that may be one of the reasons your orange tree is struggling. But if you were to put it into a pot with good quality potting mix you can control the environment and the tree should potentially improve and you could at least monitor it that way it's about a meter and a half tall it's you know it's i don't, I don't think it's going to go into into a pot okay all right yeah all right okay well thank you very much for that so we'll have to i'll have to put this in the thinking box of what I'm going to do. Mm. But if you at least check the roots, it will give you some idea as to whether they are affected by nematodes. And I might just see if John can...
can look at this as well. I, I don't know that orange trees are affected by nematodes. Um, the other thing to do is do a soil pH test. And yeah, that... well, I'm I'm actually I, I I do suffer from when it goes not the bottom one but the top one. I think it's oh, I can't remember which one's alkaline down the bottom or at the top. Um, generally high. The numbers are certainly higher. Yeah, well, I, well, I do have high. That's that's alkaline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So is that affecting the orange tree? Highly likely because when you look at the pH scale, orange trees particularly need a range of nutrients, nitrogen, potassium and phosphorus, plus a range of trace elements. They also need iron and this can be locked up in alkaline soil. Okay. So what's happening, the tree isn't, um, the nutrients aren't available to it to make it healthy and grow well, and it's probably yellowish and a bit stunted. Yeah, it just doesn't look healthy. Yep, yep. It, it's yeah. quite likely the soil that it's in. Oh, okay, brilliant. All Thank right. you very much for your help. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Tanya. Okay. Cheers. Okay. Right. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye. Now, we do have a winner for our... Bigger Trees $75 gift voucher disappeared off the screen. But the question was, in 1974, Tony Orlando was wondering who was with his ex, Sally. Where did he think they were? And the answer was, well, the lyrics go, who's in the strawberry patch with Sally now that she's not picking them with me? Here's a little, here's a little sound. In the strawberry patch with Sally. Very, very cool song. Who's in the Strawberry Patch with Sally by Tony Orlando? So that was the answer to our Bigger Trees quiz. That was that was great. It was that livened upbeat. everything up. It was very upbeat. Now, we do have free lines, 94841927. And you can email us as well by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. I could carry on with another couple of emails, Ray. Yes, I think so too. Yes. Well, still on the topic of yellowing and hungry, uh, we do have another citrus question. This is a, a kumquat, and this was sent in by Dorothy during the week. And she has moved a citrus tree out of the ground and put it into a pot. Uh, it's not looking too good. It's a bit spindly and it's got fruit on. Well, one of the things to do is to remove the fruit mm. and I would give it a light trim and, and get rid of the three Ds, dead, dying, diseased branches. Mm. That's one of the first things you do when you're pruning and just give it a nice shape. And if you cut back to uh, a leaf node, what will happen is when that tree is ready to get going, it can put on some new growth and it will be a bushier, healthy-looking tree. Mm. What you, you're wanting to see is some new shoots and that indicates the tree is going in the right direction. Um, so that probably won't happen until the warmer weather. And once again with feeding, like if citrus trees are in soil with a high pH, so coastal conditions, then they, they're possibly lacking in iron. Hmm. Um, you can give them iron chelate and that that is readily available. Pour it over and the plant can take it up very 
readily Efficiently. doesn't doesn't yeah. matter so much about mm. the ph um so quite normal it is always harder in winter another one of the photos we got was from cassandra and she's got yellow uh cocos palms yes saw that um so once again you know Everything in my garden in winter, because we've got so much rain, I'm not mm. throwing the granular fertilisers on. No. The, many of the plants are not actively growing. They're just in a holding pattern like us, waiting yeah, for warm weather. So. Yeah. Um, but what you can do is throw around the pelletised chicken manure. You can remove the weeds around the base. I will often, if I've got a big area of weeds, is put down some wet newspaper or soak it in a barrel load of water and a seaweed solution put that on the soil smother the weeds and put a good layer of mulch on top and the moisture will still permeate through but once again the chicken manure palletized chicken manure couple of handfuls or couple of cupfuls around the base of the plant the rain will water it in and then you can rake away later mm, mm. okay have you pruned your roses yet no that no. i was I'm getting closer, Ray, yeah, but me too. they've still got a couple of good-looking buds on them. Mm, and mm. my standard and the one over an arch is starting to look ratty. They're starting mm. to say I'm just about ready. So Tired, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, can I get them done by the end of July? I'd be pretty happy with that because I, I want them to go forward. And I've got new shoots coming on them too. Okay. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They don't slow down that much, even though we've had all the rain and the, the freezing cold in January. Yeah, the right mm. conditions. Yeah. Another plant that's doing really well in my garden at the moment is Cosmos. And I only threw the seeds in a few weeks ago, but oh my goodness, that's they are so such a pretty. joyful, joyful plant. And do you remember we had Carol Fudge on and I yeah. asked her about annuals to, you know, get through winter. One of them was Adjuratum. I tell you what, yeah, they're gorgeous. they have powered through. You've got the pink one, I think. I have. Good yeah. memory. Yeah. But they, they've more than doubled in size. They're happy in their location. They've put up with the growth of the the straw. I put down some straw mulch. Mm, I mm. must have used the cheap stuff because I've got all these, you know, strappy weed things growing through so <laughs> not happy about that no it's obviously no. not pea hay because it would otherwise be peas yeah exactly so i have to you know weed and take off half the straw with it which is hard if you're trying to do a cottage garden because that's where all your seeds are coming up the poppies are coming up yeah um the rabbits no they're out they're big problem abundant and the mm. bandicoots are going for gold they're digging up all my truffles your truffles. We have native truffles. Okay. So what do They're you do not, with those native truffles? Well, I've been digging them up as I've been weeding this week. But the bandicoots dig down they for them. They want them. them. Mm. So years ago, I went on a fungi foray down Mandra Way. Mm -hmm. And wherever there was a bandicoot digging, we were going in with spades at that same depth to in the area. In and there. we were digging up these truffles. They're just like little, little tiny puffballs, pinkish, whitish. Um, so yeah, they're they're native. They're in the ground. They're not edible. Oh, just, don't get was, excited. I was. I was going to say, what do they taste like? <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't. I've learnt my lesson. I don't eat. Many years ago, I cooked up some mushrooms for Daniel's birthday breakfast, and I was feeling pretty proud of myself. But realizing how fatal that could have been, I yeah. wouldn't. I won't do that again. No, no. I'm surprised mm. you did it. 
Well, I thought I knew what I was doing. Oh, my word. We survived. We lived to tell the tale. But don't Don't, do that, folks. Don't do that at home. If you have to ask Mm. uh, and you haven't planted them, do not be eating. Okay. Now, I think we've got a call coming through about cotton cushion insect infestation. Has anyone else had this problem? Cottony cushion scale. They're cute. Yeah, okay. Kay, good morning. Oh, good morning. That was quick. It was. It was. <laughs> we are ready I'm and waiting to take, take your calls. calls. Oh, my goodness. I'm just sitting here waiting to say, oh, yeah, you know. I'll no. Probably... <laughs> anyway, oh, that's lovely. Yeah, no, no. I, I've just found this cottony cushion scale. Yes. And um, I've never seen it before. I've had mealybug before. And I was thinking, oh, that's a strange looking mealybug. But when I looked, when I checked it up, it says it's a cottony cushion scale, and I was just wondering if anybody else is finding this in their gardens this year. I've never had it before. Yes, sometimes they will affect roses, uh, wattles, and, and many other things. Um, they, they are a pest. Uh, what have you got it on? A wormwood. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, of course. Uh, and the, probably the reason is uh, dry environment, on old wood, you know, wormwood plants are often forgotten. They get very big and, and inside it's a perfect space for them. If you can, uh-huh. just cut it out and remove the infested parts or is it... Yeah, I've been I've been going through like it's all like, like in, 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 in the middle of the plant, of course, all, all the leaves are dead and, and droopy and all that. But I thought it was just the wet weather. Then I came across these things, you know, and um, and they're just on just about all the branches. But I've still got all the foliage on the top. Mm. So I've been pulling all that off and I've been squishing with my gloved hands, of course, yes. squishing up and getting rid of all those things. I did read that Yates have got a, um, a spray that I could spray on it, but I was wondering about using neem oil. Mm. Um, I, you know, you... Your wormwood is pretty tough and will often shoot from the hard old wood. If yes, you it can, does. Mm-hmm. I would remove most of the infestation and then you won't have oh, to okay. spray. And, oh, yeah, yes. And then with your gloved hands, you know, any that you want to leave behind, just pull up the stem of the plant and strip them away. Yes. And, I have kind of been doing that, mm. um, but I didn't know... If they were just going to keep, because I read that they just multiply like nobody's business. Well, you know, they do, but being on wormwood, I, I've probably got them too if I went looking. Wormwoods <laughs> just just cope with them. And there is also a predatory ladybird that targets them. Yeah, I've been hoping that I'd get that. I did find a, um, a stick insect, a, a grey praying oh. mantis on mm. there, and I thought, yeah. Why don't you eat all these things? <laughs> well, you know, they they might Kay, but they might take time. You know, that that uh lesson or that message from nature would stop me from spraying my plant. And like uh-huh. I say, the wormwood will will potentially cope with it. Um, yes. So personally I wouldn't spray because you've got good guys there and once you spray you might kill off the scale, but you might also harm your beneficials. Mm, mm. Would, would, the, would, would the neem oil harm um, stick insects? It can. Uh, I have read it. I know um, there are 
there are potential risks to the reproductive cycle of beneficial oh, okay. insects with it. Mm-hmm. That, that is oh, what God. I have read. Yes, yeah, okay. If you do want to use something, one that I've had good results with is the eco oil, uh, which is certified organic, and uh-huh. that doesn't tend to harm beneficial insects. In fact, it sends a message and brings beneficial insects. Oh, good. I do have eco oil because I have used it before. Like, I don't use it very often. Mm. And I have used the neem oil as well because it sounded really good for the roots or well, something rather yeah. than what I was reading on it. But, um, yeah, I think I might I might just uh, persevere. And if they don't get onto any other plants, I'll just try and get rid of them off the... Um, yeah, well, wormwood. yeah, permission to use the eco oil if you need to use something. Okay. Thank okay. you so much. You're welcome, Thank Kay. You. Bye. Right, bye. Bye for now. Okay, we will return. And you are with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Jim Crinan at 10am with the Classic 70s. What you got? Ah, well, John's come in with some information about the citrus nematodes. And you'll have to bear with me, Ray, because it's a little, little in-depth. But citrus nematodes are ectoparasitic which means they feed on the plant tissues from outside the plant with their hind quarters buried in the soil the larvae pierce the roots to feed usually just behind the growing tips feeding on the roots does not kill the citrus tree however the roots capacity to carry water and nutrients is impeded and yields are noticeably reduced early in the life of the tree Nematode damage of the roots also promotes entry of secondary diseases. The nematodes are most active in the warmer months from September to April and it's going to be difficult to diagnose attack because they cannot be seen with the naked eye. Roots that have been attacked usually have a knobbly, gritty, gnarly, dirty appearance when the soil is shaken from them. This is because the soil adheres to the sticky egg masses extruded by the females. So other nematodes need to be identified uh, in specialised pathogen testing laboratories. So what you could do is send a photo to Deeper to the My yeah. Pest Guide Reporter app, yeah. and you'd also want to take a sample uh, if you wanted to go and get it identified. Um, but, yeah, quite a lengthy process. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Okay. Free lines, 94841927. And you can email us if you have a gardening question by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. So what's happening in your garden and around your streets at the moment, Ray? Oh, dear, let me see. Let me Rising see. water levels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awfully, awfully soggy. Um, I'm just, I'm just visualising my gardens at the moment. Things are looking quite good, quite healthy. Uh, I, yeah, it's, it's you know I have some colour. The hibiscus have been uh, beautiful. Hawaiian uh, hibiscus, big blooms. It's got uh, not maybe not the one you're thinking of, okay. not the perennial, but this one I bought is very very special. I did buy it as from one of the specialist um, stalls in the hibiscus. You know the fairs that you and I go to, and he's been very, very prolific. Of course, a lot of my deciduous trees have uh, dropped their leaves, but I've got 
I mean, I think the geraniums are going quite well at the moment, aren't they? Um, they've been quite healthy. I've got... Have you got flowers on yours? Yeah. Oh, I have Yeah, haven't. lots of flowers. And uh, the bulbs are coming up. I put mine in very, very late, so I'm trying to push them along a little bit. Uh, it's probably the wrong time, but I've been doing... Not probably is the wrong time, but I have been doing a little bit of potting up of a few different things and changing soils over. In my shade house, some things have got very, very wet mm. and I do need to do some rescuing. I've been covering pots and things from the rain. Uh, yeah, so the snails have uh, been a little bit active, but yeah, the rain has been very heavy on some pots like my hippie astrums and pots like that that I've got here and there and everything's just a little bit at the moment in survival mode but you know some of the salvias are still popping out a few flowers and uh, I've been doing a little bit of tidying up you know cutting myself and mm. bleeding to death and what, what have you I'm um, just trying to think but some even out the back which is interesting the canners out the back are going gangbusters I know weird, I, yeah, right? I've still had the odd blooms on my canners yeah yeah so the ones out the back are doing much better than out the front they've mm. sort of died died back but I've got the irises coming up at the moment oh. they're on their way Oh, I've got irises mm. in a water fountain that doesn't fountain anymore. Mm. And um, that, it's just solid, a solid mass. So many plants in there. I'm going to have to spend a day pulling them all out and potting them up. Yeah, yeah. It'd be worth it. Yeah, and during mm. the week I had these two um, pots that I wanted to do something with inside the house. So I have a lot of ripsalis. So I gave one a haircut and then I made other pots out of that ripsalis. Very easy to do. So they will grow because ripsalis grows indoors very well. Yeah, I know. It grows out in in rain, hanging I baskets, know. in trees, yeah. so under been, patios. With my indoor plants, I've been doing, you know, a bit of tidying up. And, uh, yeah, so, all right, well, we see a call from Margaret, but let's have our little break first and then we can have a proper chat with Margaret about grapevine cuttings. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. Sounds good if I actually load it. Okay, here we go. Curtain Radio. You're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening and today's program was sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. And we're in Mundaring. Margaret, good morning. Good morning, girls. What an interesting morning we've had today. We have, <laughs> as usual. So much information. I'm so busy writing notes. <laughs> Me too. Now, well, that's why we have our podcast for <laughs> listeners to go to and they can re-listen to what was of interest to them. Of course. Yeah. Say, so, um, what's your go-to with grapevine cuttings? Um, I've got one, muscatels, and two, seedless. And I, I assume they might be different. Right. Um, good length question. Of length of what, not how many nodes. Mm. So... There's two types of pruning for grapevines. There's cane pruning and there's spur pruning. And so if you don't know what you've got, you can do a mix of both. Um, so I've forgotten how to do the cane pruning now, but I know with the spur pruning, across your main stem, you'll get branches coming off. And I cut back to the second, I leave two spurs. And then I cut. Right. So, honestly, I've I've actually gone blank on the cane pruning. Um, I might have is to come back to that one. 
is the cane pruning more appropriate for a seedless? Because I thought, vaguely remember you mentioning long time ago, 12 nodes per cane for a seedless grape. Is that correct? I, I have to go back um, and research. You can actually find out, if you know what grape you've got, you can find out which type of pruning it requires. Oh, good, good. But, but if you don't know um, and then you're taking a punt, you do like half and half. Right. And you'll still get grapes. And then you'll know next time. And that was the position I was in. Uh, and then once they're pruned, and now's a perfect time because they've dropped all their leaves, then uh, probably give them a spray of lime sulphur and again at bud burst or a copper spray. And that will... That's all you can do to prevent your powdery mildews. So you must do that now. Not the milk. Um, um, up, up to you, but for more effect, probably copper or lime sulphur. Yeah, okay. So would the milk spray be more appropriate if mildew is actually present? Yes, correct. By which time it's too, too late. When they're pruned is the time to to use any of the sprays if you want to beat any of those fungal issues yeah thank you okay before, thanks before the leaves arrive yeah yeah yes. thanks margaret thanks. thanks bye for now bye okay now we do have full lines so this might be um a little bit difficult to do so you will have to be patient but uh with 75 dollar gift voucher to give away from Green Life Soil Co. As I say, I can see that the lines are busy, so you will have to be patient. Look, Green Life Soil Co., their motto is delivering a greener garden and their philosophy is founded in permaculture. Green Life Soil Co. promote diversity and sustainability. There's a wealth of information on their website, as I've mentioned before. Simply go to greenlifesoil.com.au where you will find... Uh, everything that you're looking for to match your gardening requirements. Uh, join up too for their monthly newsletter, free and packed full of fabulous information of what you should be doing each month. And they do specialise in custom mixed soils made on site. Many of their products are organically certified and a number of their soil amendment products are waterwise endorsed. For the bigger stuff, Green Life do deliver and also provide courtesy trailers. Should that be of interest to you, a lot of their products come in bags too which is great for we the little gardeners true or false okay and again not to have won a prize on curtain radio in the last 28 days must be a curtain fm member you know the drill true or false in the usa ant lions are known as doodle bugs true or false in the usa ant lions are also known as doodle bugs okay try and get through to Catherine if you can with either true or false response, uh, 94841927. Meanwhile, we're talking about frangipanis. Jamie, good morning. Oh, good morning, ladies. Uh, thanks for your program. Um, I've got a frangipani, which we're very fond of. And I was just, it's a one of those evergreen type that don't lose yep, their Yep, know them. Leaves. And um, I was just pulling off a couple of dead ones and noticed that... Uh, the, the trunks of the, some of the branches are looking a lot worse than I seem to remember. They, they've got some sort of rot on them, I think, and I'm just worried that the whole thing's on its way out. So is it a native frangipani? No, no, no. It's a you know, tropical frangipani um, with the rounded end leaves. Oh, yes, leaves. yes. 
Ooh, uh, I'd be inclined to want to cut out any damaged or diseased branches, but I wouldn't yep. really want to do that now because it is so wet. Uh, so keep an eye on it. And yep. when it's a little bit warmer and drier, then it might be a good idea to cut back into good growth, like closer to the trunk, so yeah, that sure. the the branches can heal themselves and not continue to rot. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the rot goes a lot further down than I had imagined. So it's, uh, I don't know quite where I'd stop, but anyway, I think I'll take that advice and uh, keep an eye on it when it warms up a bit. Yep. Good luck, Jamie. Thanks for your Thanks call. Thanks very much. Okay. Cheers. Bye. bye. And we do have a winner to the Green Life Soil Co. $75 gift voucher, Janet of Leeming. That will be in the mail to you this week. And the question was, true or false? In the USA, ant lions are also known as doodlebugs. The answer is true because when they relocate, they leave marks in the sand that look like doodles. <laughs> as Thank in you, squiggles. John. Thank yeah. you, John. Yes, okay, so that was great. All right, well, we managed to get through everything. Sometimes, yes, it always gets a little bit towards uh, very close to 10 o'clock. If only we had more time, Ray, I would tell mm. you all about ant lions and lace wings and all the different varieties we have in our gardens and how pretty they are. But maybe I'll save that to next week and I can put through, put together a little slideshow as well with some of the photos of them from my garden. Well, and put them on Facebook page or something I can. so listeners can go I've and got have a eggs, squeezy. the larva and the adults. Okay. Love it. All right. Look, thank you, everybody, for the morning. Uh, it always goes uh, too quickly for us. And also for Catherine Clinton. Uh, she's done a stellar job today filling in for Bev Daring. Always big thanks and kisses to our very own John Glidden, who does a lot for us, not only today, but all week long as well. And, of course, our very own Faye Akaro. Coming up next, Jim Crinan with the classic 70s. And my gardenism for the morning is I go to nature to be soothed and healed and to have my senses put in order. So, so true. Okay, look after yourselves, keep dry, keep warm, and happy gardening. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.